0: let's dump this truck back it up back it up let's dump this truck hello and welcome to bad romance i'm Jordan searles and i'm bronwyn isaac
1: i'm zora satchel (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
2: Zora introduced herself. Finally, a guest just introduced We love, herself. we love initiatives. Zora. Zora was like, I know that I'm here and I am not <laughs> here to play. I am here to talk about this incredible movie we are covering.
0: By the way, so if you are on, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you've already heard Zora because she is my new co-host of Young Adult Swim. And we kicked it off by talking about the first Divergent movie. So I was very happy to get Zora on the main pod to talk about, as Bronwyn mentioned, one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> one of one of the best. a oh, wonderful. Like, you know, Disney is evil, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes they make a banger. And this is definitely true for 1997's Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella starring Brandy. Whitney Houston, Whoopi Goldberg, Victor Garber, Bernadette Peters. My like queen Bernadette Peters! <laughs> Jason Alexander. Just like top to bottom. Beautiful cast. Oh, we should also point out that one of the members of this cast passed away recently. Mm-hmm. And that is Natalie Dussell reed who plays Minerva. And she was amazing. She was amazing in this. She was amazing in BAPS. She's, she's amazing in you know, rest in peace, queen. Yeah, she was an amazing
2: comedic actress. I wish she was still alive to c- continue to be wonderful. Yeah. Everything she
1: was in, just gold. Like, BAPS, Cinderella, just... I love her
0: in Babs so much. I also really am obsessed with the movie Babs. Like, it's also one of my favorite movies, so I'm just... That, BAPS is, like, yeah, that's a movie that I've watched so much growing up. Not as much as this, though. And I didn't realize how much until, like, immediately like from moment 1 when Whitney Houston shows up on screen as the fairy godmother it's like i remember every song every song every line yes everything it all came back same here i was like th- this
2: music is in my brain cuz I-, I watched it like probably 5 to 10 times the year it came out <laughs> like it- i remember watching it with different friends it was like every time you hung out with a friend we were gonna watch cinderella that was just that's what was gonna happen
1: Mm -hmm. i feel like one of my it's one of my first movie memories is cinderella cinderella like full disclosure i'm a fairy tale person like as a kid I was I was the kind of kid um and y'all have heard that my mom tell the story but like my entire personality as a child was princesses like I was obsessed with princesses I wanted to be one my ultimate goal was to marry into a
2: family or find out that I was a lost princess of some nation <laughs> So <laughs> like, we're trying to be part of the Netflix cinematic universe you were trying I, to be on one of those fake countries like on the board for them and then become a princess (laughs) i was genuinely
1: like my dream in life was to live my life exactly like mia in the princess diaries just live my life thinking i was a regular degular bitch and then plot twist surprise you're a princess of a nation like i i wanted it i wanted it so bad and for like an entire year i think when i was five i
2: made everyone call me princess (laughs) <laughs> that is like adorable, and I also do love to think that the fact that this is one of your first movie memories really helped plant that seed in your. Soul. Oh yeah, that princess seed.
1: Especially since I really love also Cinderella is also one of my favorite fairy tales of all time, and I've
2: read almost every
1: single version of it I can get my hands on. So if y'all ever want a breakdown of some of the wildest Cinderella adaptations I've read. I also have that information ready for you. Oh,
0: my God. We need to talk about this more. I mean,
2: honestly, I think you should definitely recommend some of those when we're doing recommendations at the end of the pod. Like, if people want to get deep in the world of both reading and watching
0: Cinderella, I feel like you're going to have some great resources. Oh, man, Cinderella. This, okay. Oh, yeah. And I forgot to mention, The Prince is played by...
1: Paula Wundtman. Yes,
0: yeah. You said it. Great, And, wow, dreamy I forgot how dreamy it was because I was just like oh no you know he's probably just like but there's just like something about his eyes in this movie where he 100% (laughs) believes that all of this is going on like he is he is like so he's so in yes this is a palace yes I am the prince yes I am in love like it's uh and he
2: is a prince. Like, he looks like a he prince. He really does. Like, he looks like a Disney prince. Like, if you drew him, you'd be like, that's a Disney prince. Absolutely. <laughs> this man is a prince,
1: and he sells it. He sells it so much. Like, I am so in love with his performance in this movie. Like, till this day day till this day there are certain scenes of his that i just i go back and i'm like sometimes i want to know what it's like to like be in love so i'll go and like watch a scene and i'll just be like oh yeah this is nice this is lovely
0: like let me just pretend for a second that it's me and not brandy because this is oh, so man lit. and like <laughs> Brandy, a thing that I really love about this version of Cinderella is that it's so clear from the jump that everyone is so jealous of Brandy. Bernadette Peters is jealous of Brandy. Sisters are jealous of Brandy. It's like, it's like, because they're, I mean, they're definitely like, you know there's always the reveal that like cinderella is actually really beautiful she's just like treated like shit and has to do like a lot of like work so she gets covered in like dirt and stuff but like in this context like it's it's almost like they're just so mad that she's that she's hot and she's beautiful and she can sing and she's polite like it's just like this is maybe the most like jealous
2: Yeah, like, from there, it's not that they're underestimating her. I feel like in some Cinderellas, there's, of course, always a seed of jealousy, but a lot of times it's also a genuine underestimation of Cinderella and a superiority complex towards Cinderella, and I feel like this version really just taps into the jealousy. Like, they know that even in this circumstance, she's better than them. <laughs> like, it's not just, like, obviously, like, she's stunning, but it's also she's interesting you know she has a she knows who she is she she seems to be somebody who is engaging with the world with curiosity and empathy and they can't stand it
0: yes yeah they can't because she is like such a even when she's just like uh you know oh my god so many of the songs is the one you know in my own little chair and look i can be whoever <laughs> I want I to, want to be, be and like when she's and when she's like doing that like she's like describing like interesting situations like like it's oh no i'm an assassin or like you know like or i'm i'm a queen like she has like she un- she has like curiosity about the world different countries different languages like she's just way more interesting because like her the stepmother and the stepsisters are all just, like, so self-involved that they're, like, boring. And despite the fact that you learn, like, they've had, like, really great schooling, you know. They've been, they're well-bred, but it's, like, all the shit that they've read and all the shit that they've studied, and they're still fucking boring.
1: <laughs> they're still fucking boring. And I love, like, the stepsisters later in the movie, but when they have, like, their their jealousy song, <laughs> when they
2: see her dancing with follow, Oh, <laughs> like- Yes. Okay, the jealousy song is so—it's so funny, it's so good. But also, this rewatch, I was like, "Are they? Do they have a crush on her?" Oh, they <laughs>
0: like, totally do. I was
2: like, "They're super gay for their stepsister." Like the like like the way that they're like talking about her neck and like her fragrance. I'm like, yeah, "Damn, okay,
0: stuff. she's she's so dainty." <laughs>
2: Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, and of course she's, like, really hot, and I'm very attracted to her, but whatever.
0: And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, like, I, I guess, I guess if you're into hot, you know, if you want, to, <laughs> I guess, I like, I guess if you're into the same person
2: I daydream about. <laughs> like
1: a gay panic song. It's like, I guess if you're into, like, swan-like necks and perfect braids <laughs> and perfect bone
2: structure, and I guess... <laughs> if you if you like that yeah, it, they're like a- her
0: calves are they like are listing her proportions i'm <laughs> like, like y'all <laughs> this is crazy it's like i guess that you like that she listens to you and is polite and i'm just sitting here just like girl like uh because these sisters more than any other ugly stepsisters are very much like if they just had a better mom like whereas like the ugly stepsisters in like the original it just feels like they're just fucked but like these these girls are like one hug and like it's gonna be okay away from just being regular people yeah
1: note that throughout the movie because there's multiple moments where Cinderella brings them in and they're like you can see it they're decent And then like their mom comes in and they snap right back. Like the song she sings when they come back from the ball to be like, oh yeah, I can imagine like you are dancing with the prince and they're like into it. They're going along with what she's singing. She's like, yes, a lovely night. We're having, it was a lovely, a lovely night, a lovely night, as lovely as a night could ever be. Like, and she's building this fantasy and they're into it. They're like, yes, Cinderella, this was a great time. And then their mom comes in and it's over.
2: (laughs) Well, that, I think that is one of the strengths of this version because, yeah, I don't actually hate the stepsisters. Like, I just view them as insecure and, like, their mom's really toxic and she's always pinning everyone against each other. And anytime they kind of have an idea about themselves, she corrects it or she puts it down. And then, of course... She creates, she makes Cinderella into the ultimate scapegoat for their frustration and insecurities, and is like, well, you can't like her. It's like they're I feel like the mom is almost like a boss who doesn't want them to unionize against her. <laughs> like she's just like, you all must hate each other, but mostly Cinderella. And it makes I obviously I don't I don't think that the stepsisters act in good ways towards Cinderella herself, but I think it makes it more compelling because like they're kind of funny you know like they're kind of you're you know that their characters are supposed to be what 16 or something like I still view them as kids maybe they're 18 but yeah. they're still really young and so I have empathy for them and I like that this version they're not just they are cartoonish but they're not cartoonish in a needlessly cruel way they're cartoonish in like a cruel because they were trained to be and because they are like deeply insecure and just want to be accepted and i like that better yeah. i think it's it more
0: interesting well, yeah you can feel them trying so hard and the other ugly sex sister, Calipet, sister calliope calliope okay calliope um calliope <laughs>
1: okay
0: she she's played by vm cox And like, I just want to because we didn't say her name because I didn't I didn't know who she was. But like, she's also really great. But yeah, it's like, it's like they are like trained to be this way. And they don't really want to be this way. And it doesn't make them happy to be this way at all. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's
2: a really interesting emotional dynamic. And I also think that's a really real, I mean, obviously, Bernadette Peters, the evil stepmother, she is deeply unhealthy, emotionally abusive person. And I feel like the way that the stepsisters react to her is realistic. And like, it it places the blame on the adults in the situation. And then, of course, her whole thing is coming from her social climbing, insecure, status obsessed. I, I just feel like this version, in all of its humor and all of the wonderful music, also has a much richer dynamic when it comes to the step sisters, stepmother, and Cinderella, which is such a major part of the movie. Yes, Bernadette Peters
1: put her entire foot into the <laughs> performance of the evil stepmother.
2: She tried to put her entire foot into the glass slipper as well. Oh, she did, did and it cut off
0: her circulation.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, she really did. The way, oh, it's so fun re-watching and seeing, like, the way she makes sounds, the way that Bernadette Peters, like, squeals and both disgust but also when she's trying to be charming is so funny i just i love the level of commitment there she's
0: so good like it's like so like the only performance that it reminds me of as carol burnett as miss hannigan and in the original it's just like it's that kind of like this is a theater actress bitch like this is a bitch who knows how to make a meal out of a small part and also to like make them make us care make us like it's like yes she's the evil stepmother but also she's Bernadette Peters you know oh yeah she's Bernadette Peters
2: and also her her dynamic with Jason Alexander is so funny I honestly completely forgot that Jason Alexander was in this until I started re-watching and then I was dying at his presence he's, so he's just like so silly
1: fantastic in this i love his performance so much in this movie his royal highness prince christopher rubert vladimir
2: (laughs) i mean you can tell like he is genuinely having such a good time there's one scene in the ballroom where people are dancing and him and bernadette peters dance and then she's trying to rush away to talk to whoopi goldberg and she just leaves him like he falls over and then he's just on the ground in the background and people are talking and dancing and you just see jason alexander laying on the ground trying to like pull himself across (laughs) the floor and i was like this man is so committed
0: this yeah like this is the thing that really like gets me about like so many like live because you know we're getting a lot of live action fairy tales disney is regurgitating a lot but this is a live action disney before the the official live action Disney's that's really, really great because everyone involved knows how to sing, knows how to dance, knows how to do a physical performance, knows knows how to like play to an audience. Like Jason Alexander, he's not like, there's some like especially like actors who are mostly known for being on screen where you can like kind of like see them like booting up like when somebody's not talking to them, they're just like kind of like disappear. And it's like he never disappears. You always know what he's doing, you always know what he's thinking. Like uh, he's just a real he's an actor, that man. Mm-hmm
1: actor and what i love so much about this is like i feel like every other movie that's not this that he's in he's playing some sort of like unbearable indigestible fuck like in pretty woman he's the most unbearable unlikable i just want to punch him in the face and then when in cinderella it's like oh no you're my favorite one here
2: (laughs) like i love you you're the best (laughs) I feel like he got to play a likable role finally, and he's like, yes, I am here for this. I will be wacky, but not in the misogynist way you like to cast me as. Because in Pretty Woman, he's, like, very rapey. Mm. Oh, very Um, rapey. And, and... I, I actually, at the top of my head, besides obviously George Costanza, I can't think of other specifically rapey roles, but he does often play the guy who says the super misogynist thing, but he's funny enough that you still like seeing him even if you hate his character. Oh yeah, he's, well, he's so- in Shallow Hal <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I that's mean, exactly forgot about Shallow Hal role that he's constantly cast for. So in this, he just actually just gets to be a funny guy, but you don't have to hate him. I also want to say, I think that Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber have great chemistry as a couple. Like, I believe
0: them as a couple. Oh, yeah. I remember being a kid and being so confused because I was just like, okay, Black mom, white dad, Filipino son. And I remember just, like, trying to do the math in my brain because, like, I'm a child. I just assume. You're like, is that how race is works? That, just like, you <laughs> kind of, like, mix. And then, but no, like you know, as a kid, when I, I was confused by it, but as an adult watching it, it's just like, no, this actually like seems like a family. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And I like that it's not explained. I like that the movie isn't like, okay, we need to explain, you know, that he's adopted or, or like, it's like, no, they're just a, it's a fairy tale. We can just, have this family be you don't have to explain anything that's what okay I was thinking about this aspect of how one thing that we see in so much fantasy is we'll see these replicated depressing or oppressive or exclusive dynamics and people will say well you know yeah it's fantasy but like things are they're still going to be rape there's still going to be racism whatever I feel like this is the great example of of using fantasy in an actually Fun, imaginative way. Yeah. Yeah. Like when it comes to race and everything. Cause it's just like, yeah. I
1: think I talk about this all the time um, in terms of like, it's when we talk about like colorblind casting and how it's like not the serve everyone thinks it is, because it's normally like colorblind casting, we'll cast like one black person and then the rest will be white. And aren't we like so progressive? And in the 24 years since it was made, it's still the only film that I can point to as an example of like, actual good colorblind casting in terms of where the entire cast is like that those rules are applied to the entire cast and it's done really really well it's also just great to see like an asian man be a romantic lead because now even now 24 years later we're still hollywood still being run and operated by a bunch of cowards.
0: <laughs> like, it's true. Like this, like this man is so hot. It's kind of like when I, I, I started the year off. I was like, my first movie of the year is going to be a movie that I've never been able to finish, and it was Hook. And, like, I had already known about, you know, how much Black people go up for Rufio. Like, like, I I didn't know, like, a single Black person growing up that had seen this movie that didn't fucking love Rufio. And, like, of course, like, once again, like, he's, he's acted since he's done, like, a lot of voice work. He voiced, like, the American dragon, Drake, Jake Long, which was, like, a big, like, oh my yeah, God. So voice Prince Zuko in um, the Avatar. But, like. Oh yeah, but in like a just world, I think his name's Dante. In a just world yeah, Dante Basko, in a yeah. just world, Dante would have like gotten to play like a heartthrob kind of character. And in a just world, so would Paolo. Like there was there were there's so many other rules that they could have had. They were so hot. They were so, so hot. And like, Paul
1: Montaban, he has this thing that a lot of male actors don't have now. And it's what we talked about in the episode for Divergent of like, just not being trained to, you know, be romantic, be compelling, be interested at all in how to give a loving, in love performance. Because right now, Hollywood is dominated by a bunch of sauceless boys. And let me tell you, if anyone ever had the sauce, it was Paulo Montebone.
2: Like oh that God. man had the sauce, still has the sauce, to be honest. I okay, Ooh. there were moments when he was making eye contact where I was like, Am I wet watching the nineteen ninety seven Cinderella? He- <laughs> what does this mean for me like also a very bi panic movie I was like I'm attracted to so many people here I'm gonna have to just go journal about that later the way
0: that he looks at Brandy is just out of this world like he looks he literally does like you know people write songs about it or whatever in pop stars and it's not convincing he looks at Brandy like she is the only girl that he has ever seen in his life it's incredible
1: it's so good and i think about like her entrance into the ball like where she's in her blue dress and her hair is up all beautiful and he looks at her and then they they go immediately into 10 minutes ago which i it's one of my favorite waltz scenes in all of cinema and i have like at least a top five countdown because i feel like waltzes are essential in telling romantic stories because it tells so much about like the relationship and the romance that's building Mm. and i feel like more movies should include waltz scenes but when they go into 10 minutes ago and he says i may never come down to earth uh, And when he sings that,
2: I believe him. I believe him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that he believes every line. And I mean, again, this is Cinderella. And obviously some of the lines are corny. Like, that's part of it, right? You know, there's the whole, like, I think I like, do you believe in love at first sight? It's very hard to pull off those kinds of lines. It's very hard for it to not just feel cartoony. And even though it is literally a Disney Cinderella adaptation, I believe him. I believe him when he says that. I believe him when he asks Brandy if she believes in love at first sight and when he confesses that he is experiencing that with her
1: i i believe him every single there's not a moment that i don't believe him and that's really hard to do and it's we can prove how hard it is to do because in the 2015 remake that they do like of the animated movie live action remake they did of the animated movie
0: oh the one that um kenneth brana made how is that i've never watched
1: it's it. it's bad and it should feel bad <laughs> i'm not a fan of that movie i feel like the only good performance is the stepmother and we all know why but yeah it's not good but richard madden plays plays oh, the prince. Man,
0: another sauceless individual
1: and it's like lily james plays the princess and uh well not princess she plays the cinderella character and richard madden plays the prince and it is the driest rendition He is the least dreamy man, and they have him like clean shaven in this movie, and it looks weird. (laughs) Like Richard Mm. Madden is like not, and it's just he's not a man who has any kind can act tenderness well towards a woman. Like that's just not something he excels at. The best Mm. he got at it was in Game of Thrones, and that's because they barely had to be on screen together until they got murked like that was <laughs> like the most tenderness he showed to her was watching her get stabbed in the stomach during the red wedding
2: like oh. richard Baden has the energy of a man who just realized he was dosed and like everybody at the party is thinks he's attractive just because he's not saying anything stupid because he's not talking like, like women would just project on him and be like, yeah, this guy's hot. Like that's his energy. And then you talk to him and he actually just doesn't have anything to say because he forgot that he took, you know, like five edibles an hour ago. Like that's, that's <laughs> the most charming. I think that's the most charming interpretation I have of him. And I don't, I don't have anything deeply against him. I just am very uninspired. And there, and again, there's people like Paulo out there who are working but they are not getting that front and center romantic lead casting that they deserve
1: it yeah it's they're they're definitely not and With more recent movies, it's just very hard to write a Prince Charming character because right now we're in, like, this action hero phase where every male actor, even if they're not meant to be an action hero, are forced into that mold. And, like, right now there just aren't enough movies being made that are interested in men beyond being action like action figures um, yeah. and so for that reason i feel like any cinderella adaptation made after a cinderella story with chad michael murray and, and hillary duff is no longer interested in like who prince charming is supposed to be and he's supposed to be this very dreamy dude who is very into the girl he's with <laughs>
2: like i mean yeah he's prince charming he's, right
1: he's literally not prince Bison. in his <laughs> name he's meant to be charming and charm
2: requires sauce <laughs> and i honestly feel like there is this strange with the action with the men action figures piece that you were saying zora There's an element where male objectification has gotten worse in this certain way in Hollywood. The pressure of roids and like the Marvel muscle man thing has just gotten more and more extreme. And so it's interesting because there is this new, it's not new, but it's bigger and more extreme pressure on men in certain roles and it feels like this weird departure where forever women on screen have been objectified and there have been roles where a woman is supposed to look a certain way and it doesn't matter if she has chemistry she just needs to look a certain way and and in many ways the writing will be thin on purpose because she's not supposed to be a person she's supposed to be hot this is this one area where I feel like men experience that in Hollywood is the male action figure thing where it's you could be the best actor but if your body will not let you look a certain way even with the trainers you're not going to get cast but then this other guy is going to be on this ridiculous you know diet training et cetera. that's probably very unhealthy for him and he's going to get cast because he can look like gi joe or whatever and i feel like that like they would have a jacked prince who has no chemistry yeah or, or even if the actor has chemistry, he's going to be so tired from working out eight hours a day, he's not going to have it. And then that's what we see with Richard Madden's
1: Prince in the 2015 version. But we're not going to spend
2: any more time on that very terrible film. Let's go back to the good one. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask both of you this is such a big question but I mean the the wonderful thing about covering Cinderella is we don't have to tell anyone what the story is right and even with the 1997 Cinderella I'm pretty sure all of our listeners have seen this I wanted to know what stood out most to both of you about this rewatch that something that you really liked something that
0: you hadn't noticed before I guess something that I noticed is that I mean, because they have the scene where the Prince and Cinderella meet before and they they establish a rapport, there's just something about their chemistry. I didn't realize that Paolo and Brandy had such great chemistry when I was younger. And that's and that's something that really like shifted for me. Also also I was also I just felt like Whoopi was amazing like her, her her facial expressions her the little noises that she makes I like I was just like wow wow
1: <laughs> I love Whoopi as well like I her little
0: that
1: she does is my favorite I love it so much I feel like I appreciated Whoopi's relationship with Victor the most in this rewatch. I really loved, because I feel like most adaptations don't have both parents for the prince. It's just his father. And so I really liked that in this adaptation, it was two parents and it's the mom who's like, no, you got to get married. (laughs) You got to (laughs) like... Oh yeah,
0: she's so intense about it she's so intense (laughs) and then like and you know the son's just like oh love and then i i do love that the dad is also just like a romantic he's just like well you know love and and Whoopi, who is in love with her husband in this she's in love with victor Garber in this and you can tell it's just like yeah but also like you're taking too long like we're getting (laughs) old like there's like there's a like later on, like after the prince is like, okay, I have to be with Brandy. She's just like, I don't know, man. Like all the girls were hot. Like couldn't you just pick another? Of the
2: hot girls? <laughs> She's like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Whoopi is like, listen, I love love also, but you are young, and there are a lot of options, and you'll probably be able to make it work. So let's get moving, buddy. <laughs> She's like, get out of the, get out of your room. Stop writing journal entries about love and start finding it start building it right now and victor's like i don't know don't rush him i i felt like victor and Whoopi goldberg's connection i noticed it way more this rewatch which makes sense i feel like rewatching things as an adult you always notice the adults like the older adults i always notice them more now
1: i feel like Whoopi goldberg this is another argument that i can make after this rewatch i feel like she I always felt this way but I feel it even more so now is that she was robbed of a career as a romantic lead as well because she's just very like she has these small little moments with Victor that's just like I I wish we got to see her fall in love on screen more.
2: Yeah um, I completely agree. agree and I also just loved thinking about how much how they got all those dancers in the ballroom like they must have had choreographed rehearsals. I was just thinking of the logistics more like the editing in this is so great the cgi like the way that they, they they do the cgi transitions is so perfect for a fairy tale like with the sparkles and everything and this is wonderful like, world
1: is- of disney too so this is like made for tv movie and like so the fact that yeah. the cgi is that good it's
0: like remember remember when a made for tv like remember when it was like an event like yes. I, yeah. like it was just like oh my god like could you just imagine the promos it's like jason alexander Whoopi Goldberg, Bernadette Peterson, Cinderella, like it's just like, yeah, and it's like you get hyped, whereas like a TV movie now is just like you drop it on a streaming service and it's like whatever, oh this person is it's- in it, whatever. <laughs>
2: What up? no yeah you're like instead of being excited that they're in it you're just like oh i hope they're doing okay
0: they're in that movie yeah, <laughs> that I haven't thing, like, heard when you when anything
2: you, about because it's very yes
0: like when you watch this it's like these aren't people who are doing this because their career is in the can they're doing it because they fucking love cinderella they want to perform they want to enter that's another thing like you can tell while watching it that they want to entertain us in a way, Yes. That, oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. The level of commitment. No one seems embarrassed. Nobody's holding back. And I think it's also this kind of domino effect, right? Because because everybody's committed, then nobody's going to be the one person who's not bringing it, right? Yes. They're all bringing it. Alex is watching some with me and we're talking about how everyone must have been nervous to sing in front of each other. Like Brandy must have been nervous to sing in front of Whitney Houston and do a duet with her. And then Paolo must have been nervous to sing in front of Brandy. And we were just thinking about who was the most nervous to sing in front of each other or dance in front of each other. I feel
1: like... It was definitely Apollo. <laughs> like watching yeah. his TikToks, like that he did for the Rogers and Hammerstein's account for the 24th anniversary this year. I think, like, for him, it was definitely because, you know, she had a rapport with Whitney and, like, and yeah. Whitney handpicked her for this movie which I just want to talk about how this movie is the way it is because of Whitney Houston's role as a producer oh
0: yeah oh my god Whitney you can tell just the way that like Whitney looks at Brandy and the way that they enter. Whitney's just looking at Brandy like look at you look at the future just so <laughs> it's so beautiful and I noticed
2: in this rewatch also how many funny things Whitney Houston says in this movie she's so funny in this movie and I I remembered her being funny but I I mostly was focused in the past on her singing and just how beautiful she is but this rewatch she's so funny like the first time we meet her she's kind of roasting Brandy and she's like no no no, I'm not doing this all for you and I love that I thought the writing was really good I think that there are a lot of really great one-liners and this movie does a great job of keeping a really consistent comedic tone.
1: Yeah. And I really like her song Impossible because it's, it really for me growing up that song was so important to me it's possible it was really important to me because i feel like it's easy to forget the underlying message of cinderella like of all of the shit talking that goes around it as a story and like how people are like it's not really feminist which shut up but like people kind of forget that what the story of cinderella is about is about not losing hope and not giving up and giving into this idea that others have of you and when she sings that song she makes it very clear that that is the ethos of this movie like things impossible things happen every day do not limit your imagination and what you're capable yeah, of doing exactly. and I Absolutely. like when I was a kid I would sing that song to myself all the time whenever I was like really down and I would just be like impossible things happen
2: every day yeah no that's so true she really does and I wasn't even thinking so much about her role as a producer but it also makes so much sense that she wanted it to be she wanted that to come through she wanted to be fun and playful but she also wanted it to be hopeful and make kids imagine and believe in themselves which is so wholesome that's what disney as we said which is evil (laughs) should be (laughs) that is that is disney at its at what at its aspirational yeah at its best
0: yeah this movie Mm -hmm. is really disney at its best where it's just like just enough corniness and the songs the songs are just such bangers (laughs) and the chemistry is there and it's like there's not one point in the movie that you don't that you forget that they're on a set like they're it's clear they're on a set you can see like the like the set like in certain ways but it but but it doesn't matter yeah
1: no i really yeah
0: exactly i
1: one day want to write about like whitney's contribution to cinema because as a producer her commitment to like girly cinema unmatched unmatched because she was also a producer for the princess diaries movie absolutely and she and i feel like all those all the movies that she has under her belt as a producer she has this magic touch where she brings out the best in the mouse corporation which regularly evil but like when she brings her magic touch to whatever mouse production she has her hands on it's magic it's phenomenal (laughs)
2: like yeah I I wish she had been in charge of Disney. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the art that would have been made? It would be so
1: much better. And, like, I think that because she truly (laughs) believed in, like, what Disney pretends to be about, which is, like, you know, uplifting children, giving them imaginative stories, and also playing into the fun part of children's media. Like, the colors, the, like, the wittiness, just, like, the fun parts of it. So much of... The playfulness and so much of yeah, the playfulness. media is devoid of that in terms of just like you can really tell that other filmmakers just really dislike children or dislike anything that can be construed as childish and like I feel like that's part of the reason why so many filmmakers in other genres are obsessed with like grim dark gritty real like realism and like part of that is hating anything they perceive as feminine, but also hating children, like, and thinking that, you know, if you make something that's fun, that children can enjoy, then you're not a real director, you're not a real filmmaker,
2: which Yeah, I mean, children, it's very condescending, because children are very smart, it's not that children can't engage with good art. And it's also not that good art can't be playful and can't be colorful and can't have all these different elements. And I think that she does such a great job because this isn't, there's a lot of things that I rewatch and love. And I know that it's my nostalgia glasses that are making me love it, right? I know that it's because of the memories I associate with it. But this is something that yeah. universally people of all different ages love. And it's not just nostalgia. I mean, of course, it's incredibly nostalgic to watch with this cast and everything, but it's because it's actually well-made. It's because it's actually funny. The music is good. Everybody's an amazing actor. It's also the right amount of time. They let it be long enough as long as it needs to be, but they don't make it too long. You know, it's not, they don't cut it to an hour and 10 minutes, like some children's movies, but they also don't make it like a two and a half hour epic. You know, it's Cinderella. It's an hour and a half.
1: It's Cinderella. It's the exact right amount of time. Everybody knows the Cinderella story and it doesn't try to like, the changes they make to the story make sense, and they don't try to, like, explain Cinderella away. They don't try to, like, give it, like, some sort of fake deep twist. They're like, no, we're here to have a good time, and that's what we're gonna do. And I love that. I love it so much. I just, I think yeah. the movie is fantastic.
2: This was, the, like, we rarely, obviously, since we're a bad romance podcast, we mostly traffic and bad romantic comedies. And lately I feel like we've actually talked about a good number of movies that we ended up liking. This of course is one we already knew we liked and was requested by our patron whose name I do not know because your name on our Patreon is Glossy JPEG of (laughs) Colombo. If you are a person that I know that I talked to online, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize it was you based on the username, but thank you for requesting that we do a good romance. You know, we love to do some episodes where we're actually gushing about something we like. We realize that long term, if we only talked about things we like, then, you know, people people love some (laughs) sauce. They like like some uh, criticism and anger. But this is just something that's, it's like a dessert that you get to talk about the flavors of, right?
1: Yeah. Another thing that I really like about this movie um, is the costumes. Oh, yeah. I love the costumes. I think this was the first example of a movie where, like, costuming was so central to storytelling. I think this was the first example I ever had as a person who watched movies. I was like, oh, yeah, the costumes are really great here. And it's also a movie that doesn't try to, like, stick to, like, historical accuracy. They're like, this is a fantasy. It could have happened whenever. Like, who cares? Let's just make it bright and colorful. I love the costumes they have Bernadette Peters in. Oh my god. I oh, yeah. love like the robe that they have Whoopi in, like the robe she has as queen, it's gorgeous. Her in purple is just like I every time Whoopi wears purple, I'm like, yes, more. Give me more. More of this all the time. Just everybody looks so good.
2: Yeah. Well the costuming feels like it actually looked at each individual actor, not just the story of Cinderella and said what would you really look awesome in? What would complement your character? And, of course, goes with this world that we're building. And they, oh they my bodied God. it.
0: Brandy in that blue
2: dress. Okay. Also, I was thinking, so Brandy wears the iconic powder blue eyeshadow, and she looks stunning in it. I was thinking, Brandy is one of ten people who looks amazing in that eyeshadow. And... I would just thought about how many people tried to wear that eyeshadow afterwards. I tried to wear that eyeshadow and as you can imagine it did not look good on me. <laughs> I tried and it was not It's a hard color to pull off for eyeshadow and I was just so glad that she showed us. Yeah, I can. <laughs> she's like she's like be easy out there. <laughs> said
1: it's possible but for me and not y'all stay safe out there (laughs) i've
0: never tried the powder blue eyeshadow but you know maybe i should and then i'll well i don't even know how to put on. somebody's gonna have to put it on me and then we can figure it out one of you (laughs) i can i will
1: happily do that i have a lot i hoard eyeshadow partially because of this movie because i'm just like it's my favorite makeup to play with because of this movie but another moment so Natalie she's in this orange dress at a certain point in the movie and she looks so hot in that dress too like she's the way she's wearing it like her boobs are all pressed up I'm like girl oh, yes I like I remember yes. even at the kid I was like oh my god I remember the line, uh, is like it
0: the one where like Bernadette Peters is like pulling the strings of the corset is it that yes I remember that
2: yes her boobs I was were like, formative in my life. I don't know how else to say it. I was like, wow, she looks great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, I was a child. So I was like, obviously all women are pretty. Doesn't everybody feel the same? Didn't question it then. <laughs> but I was like, she's so pretty. Orange is so great on her. I remember like on my VHS tape, I'd rewind that scene a couple of times and I'd be like, she's so pretty, which even, which made the jealousy song even funnier to me because I'm like, you're, Gorgeous <laughs> like, why <laughs> Are you jealous of Brandy when you're so beautiful? <laughs> like...
2: Yeah, definitely. I know that that watching, as I said earlier, I love that song, but it is funny watching that song when she's singing particularly because she is so beautiful. And I also felt like that complemented the whole element of the quote, ugliness of the stepsisters is way more about way the way they're carrying themselves. In the world versus actual looks it's just like the way they're carrying themselves and then of course how they are styled at different times um i thought that i thought that was
0: great yeah i i I love that the thing about the ugly stepsisters in this is that their attitude is ugly Their yes. attitude is ugly.
1: i also really thought natalie who plays minerva and then the act i can't remember the actress who played calliope but their chemistry as sisters is also really good like i noticed that as a kid but even like i noticed it even more as an adult is that i believe they grew up together like i believe like all of their quirks all of the ways that they get on each other's nerves
0: <laughs> yeah oh absolutely
1: and I feel like the only other dynamic that matches in terms of another ugly stepsister performance for me was the ugly stepsisters in a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff. Their energy, comedy-wise, was similar—not as great, but similar. Yeah, I
2: I can definitely vouch for that.
0: I've still never seen a Cinderella story, and it just that's surprising. I don't know how I managed to avoid it every single time it was on. I was just like, oh, I don't know. I want something else. <laughs> when I was a kid, I don't know why. I was obsessed with Hillary Duff, but that movie specifically. Maybe I didn't like Chad Michael Murray when I was younger. That's possible.
2: I mean, maybe you were saving <laughs> it for us. You know, you there was yeah, some premonition whoa. in you spiritually, and you knew. In the future, there are some friends I have to watch this with, and it'll be a good experience.
1: Yeah, uh, Please invite me over, because when I tell you that movie, I was down <laughs> Bad for Chad Michael Murray for years because of that movie. Like down horrendous because of that movie.
0: <laughs> you see, my only experience with Chad Michael Murray was Gilmore Girls, and he was not hot to me on that show because Dean was there, so I didn't even have. Which is maybe why he left. He had to go do One Tree Hill so that he could be the hot guy because he just wasn't going to happen for him on Gilmore Girls.
1: I really wish that he could have stayed because I liked Tristan a lot and I feel like Tristan underlined to me
2: just how creepy Dean is
1: (laughs) like I really didn't like Dean.
2: My dears obviously everyone should watch this if anybody listening has not seen this they need to watch it but Zora what other recommendations do you have that are Cinderella based for our listeners who want to Get even deeper into the world of Cinderella.
1: So, for movie wise, I highly recommend *Ever After* with Drew Barrymore. And Love Angela it. Keithman. Highly, highly recommend that movie. Also has great costuming great performances, great from everybody in it. Scott DeGray plays Prince Charming and he has the floppy 90s hair and he really is, he's putting in the work. I've never seen, like him and Paula Montauban are like the most charming Prince Charmings I've ever seen on screen. Highly recommend Ever After, cannot recommend it enough. In terms of books, I have way more recommendations. So Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters is one of my favorite versions of the Cinderella story. And it was read to me as a kid. It's a kid's picture book. It is, I believe, it's like a West African interpretation of the story. Please go read Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters. I also really love the Chinese version of the story because that story is more centered around grief. And the fairy godmother is actually the ghost of her mother who... Has basically um, taken over the body of this pet koi fish that she has. And it's, it's very, very beautiful. And it talks a lot about the grief of losing a parent so young and being parentified yourself. I think there's, for just giggles, I had a picture book as a kid that was like Cinderella
2: but penguins. Oh.
0: Um, <laughs>
2: I love this. This is great. This is like the full Cinderella collection, the full, the full world of Cinderella. And where can people find you? Obviously, any listeners who are patrons can listen to you on Young Adult Swim. But where else can listeners find you? I waste a lot of time on Twitter. So you can
1: find me at the casual revolt on Twitter. I'll be there talking shit and having lots of typos because yeah I don't know how to spell (laughs) like if you want to make fun of me for it it'll be quite effective I'm very sensitive about how I cannot spell (laughs) (laughs) all
2: right so everybody go bullies or uh, about their spelling (laughs) about their spelling (laughs) Um, and obviously we always love good reviews if you're not a patron you want to get bonus episodes we have all sorts of bonus podcasts we have young adult movies we have the OC we have how I met your mother we have erotic movies we got it all i am bronwyn isaac i'm zora
0: satchel and i'm jordane searles bye bye Yeah. Uh, let's dump this truck oh yeah back it up back it up oh uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah let's dump this truck